Welcome everybody to the business podcast where we pour out weekly business lessons from entrepreneurs and business owners from around the world. This week's episode is brought to you by me and my brand new book, Sales Won't Save Your Business. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, and my guest today is making his dreams come true by helping people find jobs that they can love, which I can absolutely get behind anyone that's been listening to this show for any amount of time will know that the show was originally called the Dreamers Podcast. This gentleman was actually scheduled to be on when the show was called the Dreamers Podcast, but we have found an angle that makes absolute sense to bring to you the business owners today. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are right now, I need you to give a big warm welcome to our guest, Max no, not Max, Mac Picard. Is that how you say it? Mac Picard? No, it's Mac Pritchard. Pritchard. Oh, it's I found. Okay, I, I always I, say out this thing. I meant to ask. Now, when I hear Picard, I'm having flashbacks to parochial school and the nuns mispronouncing my last name. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say that when you're on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> right like pick card yeah it, it may be that we're both star trek nerds but we could talk about that on another interview yes 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 mac why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself and your business well i'm speaking to you from portland oregon i run a website called maxlist.org it's an online community joe that helps people find work that matters and we attract about eighty thousand people a month and they come for a job board with open positions, but we also produce articles, a weekly podcast, books, and courses about how to look for work. And here's the reason why we do that, Joe, because as many as eight out of 10 of the jobs that are out there are never posted anywhere on any job board or published even in an old-fashioned newspaper. They're filled by word of mouth. Most people struggle with job hunting because they haven't learned the skill. And employers struggle with finding good candidates because they also, uh, uh, many, uh, particularly smaller and medium-sized companies, just don't have the staff and the expertise uh, in hiring. So there's a mismatch there, and we work with both employers and job seekers to help fill it. No, I, I absolutely love that. I, I think that everybody should be doing a job that they uh, enjoy, and whether that job is being an entrepreneur or being a business owner or being whatever it is that you're really, really into, I, I think that that's really important for you to – because this is, this is the show where business and life meet, right? So I, I, for your lifestyle, it's so important that you have the perfect match to, uh, to make you happy and fulfilled. Yeah, whether you're an owner or an employee, everybody wants work that matters, that has purpose. And that doesn't mean do, it could mean doing social services or charitable work, but also when you're, whatever your occupation, you want to make a difference and you want to enjoy uh, your work day. And that's a big, big value for us at MaxList. So why don't you go back before Max, well, when did MaxList start? It started as an informal email, a, a, a simple newsletter, 17 years ago, and I'll be 60 next year, Joe. I've had a career in communications uh, and politics, working for elected officials and nonprofits and public agencies in Oregon, Massachusetts, and uh, in Washington, D.C., and that's still a big part of my life, but I started MaxList as a service to others and to stay in touch with my professional contacts. I'd gone through a job change in 2001. I'd, I left a position in the state capitol here in Oregon to work for a nonprofit in Portland, and 
one way to stay in touch with people is to share job postings. And I did that. Nobody objects to getting them. My list grew very slowly. I didn't realize for a long time, Joe, the value that I was offering. Uh, And what I was doing was creating a community of people who were exchanging tips and job leads. And that's how the hiring process works. And uh, eventually I got so many people on my list. It was originally a few dozen names. Then it, uh, seven years later, it was a thousand. It was a part-time job and I was paying someone to do it and I wasn't getting paid uh, for the time I was investing. So I started charging for listings and employers bought them right away. And here's why they did it, Joe. They told me when I asked that I was, the problem I was solving for them was I was providing them with fewer candidates and the right candidates. And that meant they sent, saved time and they saved money because if they posted on a big national board, they'd hear from people in 50 states. And that meant they had to go through dozens, often hundreds of resumes for, and look at candidates who, candidly, they didn't have the budget to bring out to Oregon. Uh, so we were solving a problem, and that's why employers started buying the listings. The site has evolved because, as I mentioned earlier, most jobs are never posted. And most people struggle with job hunting when they're looking for their next position because they haven't mastered it as a skill. Uh, I didn't go by the career services office when I was at the university. I think a lot of people don't. And instead, I learned by trial and error. And we're trying to stop that, uh, help people learn job hunting as a skill more deliberately. And that's a big part of what we do at MaxList today. Now, uh, when you got started 17 years ago as an as an emailist, I mean that that makes perfect sense given that it's 2018 and this is like 2001 we're talking about. Um, was there was there what was the like the logic behind the email list? Like why like why why did you get started with it? I've always been an inveterate networker. I love connecting people and helping people. Uh, find each other and work together to solve problems, whether it's professional or in the community. And when I left state government, I knew that I wouldn't be down in the Capitol on a regular basis. So I wanted to stay on people's radar screens. I thought, well, maybe one day I'll want to return. Well, how do you keep uh, uh, on, how do you get people's attention? I hit upon the idea of sharing job postings. Nobody complains about getting them. You're, you're not going to get a do not spam message. And so that's why I did it. And when you talk to successful business owners or employees who have great careers, one of the things they share in common is they're good at networking. They're good at building relationships. They're good at uh, maintaining connections. And a big part of successful networking is being of service to others and giving without any expectation of of getting something in return. And that's what uh, drove me to start sharing those job postings and to continue to do that for more than a decade without any pay or, or uh, getting anything in return. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So, okay. So once uh, – what, what was it like when you were going to make that jump to say, okay, let's turn this into something that is, is you know, a job that, that's – I well, eventually yeah. you had somebody else do it for you. Yes, and today we have five uh, employees working on Max List, and we operate from a downtown office in Portland. We're getting ready to add a sixth person to the staff, and it is a, a mid-six-figure business that is growing, so it's been successful. But I didn't see that seven years ago when I first started 
charging for listings. And the reason I, I did it was I actually stopped publishing the list for about two months. And here's what happened next, Joe. Um, I got calls from people I didn't know who said, are you okay? I, I haven't gotten your emails. Is every, every, everything all right? And it was very touching to have that happen. But it also signaled to me that I was providing something that was of great value to others. And I was solving a problem. I didn't quite fully understand the problem I was solving. So when I, I did start charging for listings, I didn't have high expectations. Uh, and I didn't see it growing into a business that uh, would employ one or, or even more people. But that's, that's what's happened because we're providing value to the people we serve. So how did your family take it when you were like, I'm going to start this, it, like go from, well, let's start with, I'm going to start this list and stay connected yeah. with people. Well, when I started it, it, it really only took a few minutes a week because I was getting one or two postings a week and I was sharing them with a few dozen people. And I had a day job. I was the national communications director for a juvenile justice reform project based in Portland that operated in 10 states. So this was a way for me just to be of service to others and to, to network. It wasn't until about seven years later that I found myself spending about uh, four to six hours a week on this. And at that point, I'd started another business, Joe. I'd left that nonprofit position. I was uh, launching a public relations company. I had one other employee, and I was paying this person to spend about half a day a week on this list. And uh, that's when it became clear to me that if I was going to continue to do it and make it successful, I needed to find a way to monetize it and 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 also to continue to grow it. So once you decided to make that jump, what was the reaction different? It wasn't. It was surprising to me. I thought that I might hear some objections from people who had not been paying for these listings. Uh, the candidly, the only uh, launch program we did was we sent a, a simple email. To everybody who had shared postings with us, and we explained why we were doing it, that it was requiring me to, to pay someone to, to send out this material, and and we wanted to cover our costs and continue to grow the site. And uh, we had a universally positive reaction. Uh, and the, the most positive reaction of all was we set up a PayPal account, and every day we'd come in, and these were not large sums, but people were purchasing listings. And it, it's it, it's grown slowly in the last eight years. We made that switch to to paid listings in uh, 2010. So it's we do see annual growth, but it's it's not something that we didn't go from zero to a mid six figure business overnight. It's it's been a an eight year journey. I know. I mean, I think that's that's definitely a uh, a highlight to it, right? The fact that it wasn't um, that you're not put in a position where you potentially could uh be overgrown too quickly right like it, you all of a sudden it's like oh it, things are going great you're like i gotta get these people these people these people these people next thing you know you're you're th you know things start slowing down and you're like oh no like yeah. what am i what am i gonna do? i got all these people now i got family you know all these families to worry about and now i don't have the listings right we were a bootstrap strap operation we didn't get outside funding or or partners and so we've always 
and that has probably limited our growth in hindsight. We've relied on revenue to add staff and, and new services, uh, but, the, but the numbers are moving in the right direction. And I think because we've taken that approach, it's given us the opportunity to, to learn from our mistakes as we've grown. We've tried some services and products that candidly haven't been successful. I think that every business owner has that experience. And we've learned from those experiences. And we just try to focus uh, with laser-like focus on the needs of the people we serve, both job seekers and, and business owners. And when we do that, Joe, we generally have success. No, I, I agree. I always think you should be polling your, your people, whether it's your clients or your, your team or, uh, in your case, the, even the people checking for the listings, right? Like getting their feedback to see, like, what is it that, you know, they like about the site that they're bringing, uh, that you're bringing to the table for them um, and not just making those assumptions. And then, uh, you know, while I will say, yeah, you could look at it from a, oh, my, you know, my business didn't explode because we didn't get a whole bunch of funding right out of the gate or anything like that. The beautiful thing is, is you have now have eight, you know, eight additional years of relationship building and track record that goes a lot long, like a lot longer of a way than just, you know, we had this thing where it was, it, there was explosive growth. Um, and who knows if it's going to be here five years from now or four years or, you know what I mean? Like it, the, cause the other thing is that when you get a bunch of money, it's like you, you start finding ways mm-hmm. to have to spend it. Right. Right. And, and that can lead down a whole difficult path of, of, of trouble that you shouldn't even have to be worried about while you're trying to just build the revenue side and the trust side, right? Because that's really what you're selling is, is the trust. Relationships are, are key to the success of our business. And they're so important in the hiring process, too, whether you're the business owner or the job seeker. A lot of as we talked about, a lot of positions are never advertised. They're part of what is called the hidden job market. And there are estimates out there that as many as eight out of 10 jobs are never posted on any job board. There's no conspiracy here about why that happens, Joe. It's about trust and it's uh, it's about relationships. The principle really that's at play here is that most employers turn to people they know or for people they trust for recommendations for candidates. And they do that because they're managing risk. And uh, our challenge when we're looking for work or we're looking for candidates is to make the best possible use of our networks and to reach out to the people we know uh, are gonna send us good candidates or to reach out to managers if we're a job seeker who we know are looking for people and to build connections and relationships with them before they they begin their hiring. Here's the good news. These do not have to be strong uh, relationships. It, you don't necessarily have to have gone to grade school or college with the hiring manager to get hired. It could be a very weak connection. Perhaps it's a conversation you had at a, at a networking event. Um, maybe you served on a committee together. But I think hiring managers are going to be more effective if they understand those principles from the start and use their networks to find the best candidates and job seekers are going to have shorter and better job searches and uh, increase the likelihood they're going to find a job they can love if they tap into those principles too. 
So when I so when I've talked to my people and they're always like, oh, you know, it takes whether it's the youth I'm, I'm you know, mentoring or or uh, friends of mine and like, oh, it takes forever to to hear any back about any kind of job opportunity that I you know applied for, blah blah blah. I always try to remind them like nobody wakes up and is like, man, I can't wait to go hire somebody. I can't wait to go through all the trouble and the hassle of training. But before you even get to the training, just filtering through and and to me, I think you've brought up some great points about. From from the business standpoint of like okay, um, this is about trust and and being able to go to someone that we trust that someone that's already working out for us, um, and then them you know giving that that trust over to us uh, through for that other person that third party person that we're going to bring on. Um, part of that it, to me is just like oh it's just easier right like it's easier for me to just have that filter process of like great now I don't have to go through a thousand of these things or even a hundred of these uh, resumes I could go through you know five of them because these five people that work for me all said that this person this person this person this person would be a good candidate it makes it just a lot easier um, especially if you don't have that HR department right where like if you don't have a person it's like literally all they're doing is just like turning through resumes or if you you get one of those uh, those automated systems that can like pick out the keywords that you're looking for things like that now I mean that that's a shame for a lot of people especially those keyword things because you you might be passing up on some really great talent that just didn't happen to have the best resume ever. Right. It it, it goes like back to like the whole school thing. Like you could be the best student ever, but if your test scores suck, it's not going to work out. It's not going to end well for you. Right. Which is a shame because you still might actually be really talented at that, that thing that you took the test for, but because you're not great at taking tests or you just happen to have a bad day or whatever happened, uh, it just isn't, isn't going to be that isn't going to be a happy time for you. And if you're a hiring manager, you, you need uh, to recognize that you have other options besides posting on job boards or, and, and you should use job boards I'm proud of the value ours offers, but it successful hiring managers and business owners who are looking for good people, they don't stop there. They, they think about the position and their needs and they think about their networks. So they go to LinkedIn and they search for uh, people who are working in the field that they want to hire for. And they look for those first or second degree connections and that gives them ideas about people they might approach. They also Think about the colleagues they trust who are aware of good people out there, and they ask them for advice. I think, Joe, we've all gotten these emails from peers that say, hey, I'm hiring. I need good people. Send candidates my way. And if someone responds to that message and says you should talk to Joe or Mac or Mary or Harry, you're, you're likely to pick up the phone or send an email to that person and invite them at least for a phone conversation and maybe a formal interview. So successful owners and and managers look at LinkedIn, they look at their personal networks, they get the word out and they don't rely on the job postings alone. And the best job candidates and the people who find the jobs that they can love are the ones who don't stop at the front door, which is the website with the, the job posting. They also are aware that there's a back door and most people know where they want to work or what they want to do. Where they get stuck is building relationships inside the companies that offer those positions. And if, but if they do get over that hurdle and connect with managers and owners uh, before the hiring begins, they're going to have so much more success in their career. 
and businesses are going to get the the best people and the most talented candidates who are likely to stay longer when they do this as well. Couldn't agree more. Mac, what is your hobby outside of connecting people? I love politics. I love being part of the community and helping to make uh, Portland a better place. Uh, I, I love reading movies. Uh, I love travel. I, you know, I, I went to a silent film festival in San Francisco in December, Joe, and I, I never sat through six movies before in one day. My personal best up to that had been about three. And every year my wife and I take a, a trip overseas. Usually we've been going to Europe a lot recently. Uh, but before that it was Latin America and, and, and Asia. Oh, that that's awesome. I think, you know, it's so important to have that, that hobby and that disconnect from the work that you, you do. Um, now, Mac, with that said, what's your, what's been your biggest roadblock? Probably fear. You know, I've have done a lot of interesting things in my career and uh, particularly in business. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, fear will get the better of me. I, try to overcome that and I'm successful in overcoming it when I focus on bite-sized goals and uh, invest the time and effort into learning a skill or understanding a problem and working out a plan to overcome it, uh, often in, sometimes in baby steps, but uh, it breaking a problem down into small parts always works well for me. Oh, I, I, uh, I definitely deal with that kind of stuff uh, too. Fear creeps into everything, and and is a, it can be a motivator, and it can also be a uh, was it inhibitor? In, inhibitor? I think inhibitor is the right word. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what are some of the other ways that you you go about overcoming it? Having a, a business coach has been transformational for me. Uh, tapping into the experience that that person has. And I've an effective coach who's, who's not my friend. He's not my therapist. He is very good at what he does and holds me accountable. And so I, there are regular calls and we talk about specific problems and concrete steps to overcome them. And then there's accountability for uh, making sure that action happens. That's been very effective. I think connecting with peers and especially other business owners and earlier in my career, people who were leaders in my field has always been effective. Uh, and having relationships, we've talked about the importance with, of connection, but having relationships with other professionals has always been uh, a vital part of my success. No, I, I, I think having, having that person that you can bounce ideas off, bounce the, the fear off of and the, the, uh, the trials and tribulations of everything that you're going through, especially that isn't connected to you, isn't a family member, isn't isn't somebody else, uh, is is really important. I you know work with people um, from all over the country, and it's you know it, it's crazy to see the um, transformation as you as you put it the, of them going from uh, having those the, those issues and then de eventually developing confidence to be able to to crush those issues and, and move on to the next issues that are created because they, they, they fixed those other issues, the first issue in the first place. It, we're, we're not in this alone. I, I think many people struggle with asking for help and or sharing challenges. 
and but when we do ask for help and we are candid about the difficulties we face, it we're so much more likely to move forward, Joe, than if we try to figure it out all on our own. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, Mac, what was your childhood dream growing up? Well, when I finished college, there were three things I wanted to do. Uh, one was write. A second was work on election campaigns. And the third was to do human rights advocacy in Latin America. And, Joe, I couldn't have said it as succinctly as I, I just did uh, at the age of 21. But those were the three big goals that I wanted to explore in my 20s and 30s. And I've, I've had the good fortune to, to do them all. Uh, when I was in grade school, I saw a movie uh, – uh, uh, it's an old one with Robert Redford called The Candidate. It's about a fellow who runs for office in California. It was made in 1972. And I, I love that movie so much, I sat through it two times, and then I saw it again. And the reason I tell the story is uh, when I was 30, I went to graduate school at the School of Government at Harvard. I took a class called How to Be a Politician. And the, on uh, the first day, they said, now, we want you to watch this movie the Candidate with Robert Redford. That's your first homework assignment. And I thought, gosh, I'm in the right place. So it's uh, since then, I've, I've worked on about a dozen election campaigns. I've been a speechwriter for a governor. I've worked uh, for a mayoral candidate at City Hall here in Portland as communications director. And I've been involved in presidential campaigns as well. And, and so I, that's a dream that I helped uh, that came true. And and in my 20s, I also worked for human rights groups in Boston and D.C. that were involved in U.S. Latin American policy. And uh, uh, that's something else I've, I uh, helped make happen. Yeah. Do, do you miss the politics at all? Oh, I'm still involved. I, you know, I, I wear a lot of hats. I, I, in addition to Max List, I run a public relations firm that also employs five people. And I, I stay involved in politics on the side. Uh, it's I think as our careers move along and we get older, I think we get better at juggling multiple priorities and we are able to explore multiple interests. We don't have to focus just on one thing. So last night I was at a fundraiser for a city council candidate in Portland and um, I'm, I'm, I'm writing checks uh, or being a mentor to people in that world, but I still play a part in it. Mm. Well, that, that's, that's awesome that you not only got to go that far with it, but uh, and st are still keeping a, a foot in there uh, for, for your own, I guess, your own sake and your own sanity. <laughs> uh, so, Mac, with all that said, what are your dreams for the future looking like? We're getting ready to grow Max List to uh, three new cities in the next five years. And we are working on the plan to do that now. We expect to start implementation this summer and launch in our first new city next year in 2019. And we're excited about that. It's something we I've thought about for uh, a number of years. I have I have struggled with figuring out how to make it happen. I think we've got a good program to do that, and I'm excited to get started with it. And I, uh, my other business, Pritchard Communications, the public relations firm, we continue to grow that. Uh, I'm fortunate, Joe, to have two very strong number twos who managing directors who run the day to day operations of each firm. And I want to get better. Uh, I, I think I've made a lot of progress as a leader at, at 
both delegating and focusing on what I'm best at professionally. And I want to continue to do that in, in the years ahead. And then there candidly some personal projects, travel and writing and other things I want to tackle uh, in the next five to 10 years. Mm. Well, I, you know, so what, what cities currently is a uh, max list available in? Our job board is filled with listings largely from Oregon and Southwest Washington. So we're very strong in the Portland Metro market. Our education and training materials, the courses, the books, the podcast, they attract a national, even a global audience. So the revenue for the business, Joe, comes from the job listings, about 85% of it. We do uh, get revenue from our the sales of our educational products, too. So there's an opportunity to launch the job board in other cities. We're looking probably at uh, places on the West Coast like Seattle or San Francisco. We still need to figure that out. But when I talk about expansion, it's really a two-part program. One is to continue to grow our educational and training services and and build that national audience. Uh, And the other is to uh, launch a job board in a, a region or a city and do that and roll that out in a thoughtful way over a five year period. Wow. Yeah, no, that definitely uh, is a, is that's the long game. That's, that's for sure. Um, but it's also good that you're not doing it. You're, you're not just going at it haphazardly as well. Um, and being like, Oh, well, if we just open, open it, they will come. Right. Uh, Cause they might, but in the meantime, it's going to look kind of, it might look a little barren and, and not look like, you know what you're doing. Um, in the short term, you know, if, if you open up a board and it's like, oh, there's just crickets like that's that's not great either. So I, I think that's awesome that you're looking at a thoughtful way of doing it. Yeah. And I think that's an important point you're making for any business. You've got to understand the market you want to move into, the needs of the people you want to serve and have a program in place to serve that audience and build relationships with them. And you don't want to figure that out after you launch a platform or or a product. You want to have those conversations and do that homework up front. Mm. No, a- absolutely. So, so Super Mac, how can people connect with you online? They can visit our website, maxlist.org. I host a weekly podcast. We publish every Wednesday. We're in our third year, Joe. And it's called Find Your Dream Job. Every week I talk to a dish different national career expert. Uh, so you can find that on iTunes and on our website as well. We also have a book called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. And while it's aimed at job seekers, I think the principles there would be useful to business owners as well, uh, particularly uh, the, uh, the strategies we lay out there about networking and goal setting. And that's available on Amazon. But if you go to our uh, to maxlist.org, slash um uh 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 business the business podcast you can download the first chapter for free oh awesome awesome well i will definitely make sure to have that in the notes at superjoeparter.com great uh mac i really appreciate you taking the time today to come on the business podcast and uh i would love to have you on again in the future catch up on how your plan for rolling out more cities is going and uh just check in and 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 see how everything's going is uh before we wrap up here is there any last thoughts you'd like to share i think whether 
you're running a business or you're thinking about your career, don't wait to be picked. Uh, most of us have an idea of things we want to do or goals we want to explore. And particularly for job seekers, they often think, okay, I want to work at this company. I'll look at the website every day. And when a job opens up, I'll, uh, I'll apply. And the problem with that, of course, is a hundred other people are doing the same thing. And with businesses, uh, you know, as owners, Joe, we, uh, we often have an idea of what we want to do, but we wait for that contract or, or that opportunity to come to us. And I think the people who are most successful, whether it's in a job or in running uh, their own businesses, are folks who not only know where they want to go, but figure out a way to get there without waiting for opportunity to come to them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Super Mac. I do appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed this episode of The Business Podcast, please, all I ask you to do is just go to a friend, to a family member that you uh, that you know and love and trust, just like in this whole episode where we talked about trust and, and referring people to, uh, to, to be able to get jobs. Refer them to this episode um, or refer them to any episode here at The, the Business Podcast. Uh, I, would, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, this episode has been brought to you by me, Super Joe Pardo, and my brand new book, Sales Won't Save Your Business, with a foreword by Lee Cockrell, who is a former uh, Disney, Walt Disney World. Uh, was, what's the title? It's, it's former executive vice president. That, it's, it's so long, I, I just have to, to take, take a look at it uh, almost every time if I don't say it four times fast. Anyway, uh, go check it out. It's all about how you can focus on the team, the offer, and process to build a better relationship, not only with your business, but with your team, your offer, and your process to grow your business. I've been Super Joe Pardo. He's been Super Mac. I hope you all have a great, amazing week ahead. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Business Podcast featuring Super Joe Pardo. Get more business content at superjoepardo.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on The Business Podcast, send an email to joe at superjoepardo.com. The Business Podcast is copyrighted to 234 Solutions, LLC.